This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. God, that committee's awesome, huh? I've said it for five years. Y'all didn't listen. I told yeah, you so. Isn't the CFP committee great? They're just so awesome. Every single one of them. They get it right. They work hard to get it right. Welcome to the show. Jeff and Eric with you here. We got Drew here for segment one and possibly segment two. This is a feel-good show heading into the Thanksgiving weekend, folks. Let's be honest with you. We got football still ranked and with a Essentially, now we can say it, right, Drew? Win and they're in, they're in despite yeah. the loss to Navy. Win and they're in the American Athletic Conference Championship. Not hosting, but in. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought that? We also speaking of who would have thought UCF men's basketball wins the Baja Mar Championship. UCF women's basketball knocking off Louisiana Monroe. They're off to a good start. Later on, we're going to preview UCF volleyball, their biggest weekend of the year, maybe in. A couple years, actually. Enemy program history. Uh, facing uh, with a ostensibly, possibly, depending on the results of Wednesday night, a <laughs> uh, American Athletic Conference championship uh, on the line. Numerous records on the line. But we start, gentlemen, with the news on football. All right. We're not going to spend too much time rehashing what happened in the Navy game. What happened happened. It never 17, happened. 14, what are you talking about? Never well, happened. it did happen. Because I, I begged the different. We didn't write. We were still ranked. Well, well, here's the thing, though. It, it did cost UCF the chance to host the, Ameri- the American Athletic Conference Championship. And we were quite downtrodden after that because we thought UCF could possibly drop out of the con- out of the CFP rankings, which, again, are the tie are, are the one of the main determinants for the tiebreaker in the American. However, late Tuesday night. In comes the college football playoff committee saying, you know what? UCF's pretty good, actually. UCF drops only three spots from 19 to 22. Tulane is at 19. Cincinnati is at 24. By the way, as a slight aside, new entrant into the top 25, the Louisville Cardinals, who UCF lost to at home earlier this year. Who are seven and four on the year? They have snuck into the oh, top twenty-five. Spots. Suddenly, a two quality spots. loss. Uh, <laughs> two spots. They dropped from twenty to twenty-two for the record. Yeah. Well, still, um, they were twenty to twenty. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Still, Louisville becomes a quality loss. It is. And here, and here's the situation. As Andrew and I wrote about on Monday, and we confirmed on Tuesday on BlackAndGoldBanner.com. You can read it right now. The tiebreaker is, the way it shakes out, is the winner of Cincinnati and Tulane who play Friday night. That team will host the conference championship game. Whichever team loses drops down to two losses in conference. And that uh, If Houston defeats Tulsa, which, by the way, no given, but Houston is favored, that would create a three-way tie. If you have a three-way tie, you go to the college football playoff rankings. And you have to go to the one that is this week, not the week one right before the championship because it's too soon. You go to this ranking, and whichever team won their last regular season game and was ranked ahead 
in the college football playoff rankings, they go to the championship game. So that would mean that if you lost that weekend, which either Tulane or Cincinnati would, one of them is going to be out, regardless of what next Tuesday's rankings say. And UCF, with a win against South Florida, is in. I have but one conclusion, Eric Lopez. I'll begin with you. The brand is strong. And humans prevail over computers. Thank you very much. That's the victory today. The brand, I would say a couple things. You mentioned the Louisville uh, ranked 25th. I do think that's significant. Credit to Scott Satterfield and Louisville because Malik Cunningham has kind of been in and out of the lineup. Them being seven and four, you're right. That's a quality loss now. We thought, oh boy, that's a bad loss. Maybe yeah. from the execution well, standpoint. You thought it was a really bad loss. At the time, it looked bad, but to their credit, I mean, that's why you have to play it out. It's not anymore. And I think the committee's rewarding UCF for playing Louisville, for playing Georgia Tech. Let's thank Brent Key here. Let's just go crazy here, folks, on the Banneret. Wait a minute. We got to thank Brent Key? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not thanking Brent Key. I know. Drew's still holding grudges. I'm not. I'll thank Brent Key. Brent thank Key's you, a good Jeffrey. guy. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you. Brent's gonna... a good guy. He got he got, he got got handed a, a rough deck of cards there. But, he's, but anyway. actually, he's actually done a decent job there at Georgia Tech. Like, they're actually comp- – they've been pretty – you know, media- I mean, they're not great, but they're not awful. Like, they've actually had some wins. Uh, they just knocked off North Carolina, I believe. Uh, they uh, yeah they knocked off North Car- number thirteen North Carolina in uh-huh. in Chapel Hill under Brent Key Eric Lopez UCF or excuse me Georgia Tech is four and three yeah. with wins over ranked Pitt yep. at Pitt yep win a win at Virginia Tech yep. and a win at ranked North Carolina yeah you know who beat Georgia Tech UCF did so all of a sudden this body of work plus you have wins over Tulane on the road, and you beat mm-hmm. Cincinnati, who are still in the top 25. Mm-hmm. That's a quality resume, and that's a top 25. I don't know about 22. Hey, we're pulling hairs. That, I think a lot of the body of work there helped, and I also think this. We focused a lot on the Navy win-loss record, three and seven. Oh, my God. You know, what did we say? What did you say, Jeff, last week about Navy? Remember, we, had, we talked about Trey Neal having the show. Navy's a pain in the blank to play, right? Because of the style yep. of play. Guess who knows that? The committee does. Yeah. <laughs> See Navy. They almost beat Notre Dame the week before. I think if Navy actually that should have been that should have been a heads up to us, by the way. I think. Well, I took Navy with the points. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, uh, oh, oh, uh, Drew, okay. you did too, right? You took Navy, getting the points. Uh no, I didn't. Oh, <laughs> now you should have learned better. Anyway, but no, but the point is. Yes, I was on vacation. I was on on a, on a, on the road on the trip. I don't think I was in my right state of mind. Well, that's true. You were in Ohio, although maybe you should stay and maybe go back. We'll we'll get to that. Anyway, <laughs> um, don't so, tempt me. It was enjoyable in that lake effect. Well, you know. We might need somebody to cover a game in Ohio in about a week. Um, well, they they did outscore Notre Dame nineteen nothing in the no, second the half. Po- yeah. my, my point is, I but but Eric, you can't convince me to go to Cincinnati. Well, that's a whole other story. <laughs> it smells okay. Right, fine. That's fine. Whatever. Whatever. The point is the committee respects Navy. Like you may not respect the win loss, but they understand how difficult it is to play that style. So they didn't punish UCF as much. So I'm just telling you the whole body of work, it makes sense. And at the end of the day, whether you agree with it or not, I think everybody can agree with this. This is the appropriate way for the American conference to be settled. 
these are the three best teams in the league. The the championship game should be settled between two of these three teams. If you well, it's going to anyway. Well, yeah. no, well, there there was a scenario where the computers would have screwed it, and we could have had a rematch of Cincinnati and Tulane. Honestly, you see, if, if they beat South Florida, has earned the right to play for the championship game. Well, Drew, uh, well, Drew before I get to you on that, I, okay, I, I okay, fair. But let Drew, let you and I sometimes we put our tinfoil hat on, okay. No, you put your tinfoil hat on. All right, on. I, put, I put my tinfoil hat on and you fasten it with a chin strap. But anyway. That's because it's fun to watch um, you dig your own hole. If you're the CFP committee, you got to put one New Year's Six team in, that, in one of those bowls. You got to choose between UCF, Cincinnati, and Tulane. Would you rather have, and by the way, this is not, I'm not talking from the Americans' perspective, I'm talking from the CFP's perspective. Would you rather have, Future Big 12 member UCF, future Big 12 member Cincinnati, or not future Big 12 member Tulane? Well, no, I, I Which you, one would you I, want? I think your theory is correct, but it's the wrong teams you're picking. The, the real question is, would you rather have UCF, Cincinnati, or Tulane, or Coastal Carolina? But that or, wasn't the question he asked. That's, that's no, the second part of the question. But no, I think so, well, right. that, that, would, that would be the question, except for the fact that Coastal Carolina is not right. Exactly. Exactly. So toss them out. And now they've been, I mean, they could have easily unranked UCF. They could have easily done that. We all thought they were going to. Right. Let's, let's be honest. Although I will say this, the AP poll, when it came out at 25, I think uh, you kind of pause for a minute there. Now I am surprised they're 22. I think 22 is the surprising part. I think if you could have told me if they were 25 tonight in the poll, um, I would have said, oh, okay. 22 is surprising because I do think they should have dropped another spot. But again, that's pulling hair. Well, and and as I pointed out in our in our group chat earlier today, that the CFP often mimics the AP. So it's actually quite a bit off on this one compared yeah. to the AP poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be I've honest. always thought that was not fair to the – it was a little stretched out, but point taken. I mean, but, but I'll be honest. I, I think 22 is a – is, is a little high for UCF, all things considered. I think actually that 24 where Cincinnati is would probably be a better fit. Agreed. Um, but look at how this year's actually shaken out. There's a, it's a lot of middle of the road teams where, and that's allowed a three loss UCF, a four loss Louisville to, to yeah. squeeze into the C the CFP in a different year or lost Texas too, by the way. Yeah. For, well, it's Texas. They've got brand, they've got, yeah. no, they've got brand power. You know, we Louisville, UCF, they've got nothing on Texas as far as brand. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, in a different year, different circumstances, a three loss UCF is not getting in the top 25. Uh, I think a lot of it's also circumstantial where, you know, the school's taking advantage of the weaknesses. Look at tech of like schools that they expect to do well, like Texas A&M and Auburn, you know, um, schools that normally well, are, are well, in the down year in the sport in general. Like we always, you know, it's not a debt, not a, there's not a lot of great teams out there. And I think, well, nah, I don't think it's, that's no, 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 no. true. No, that's not true. No, that's not fair. You're seeing more, actually more parity uh, as far as, talent distribution and this is what the what the transfer portals actually bring to the table and that and that's another thing where expansion in the cfp over a long period of time could actually do more of is is leveling the playing field a little bit not not fully but a little bit 
um, people are like, oh, well, these little schools don't stand a chance. Yeah, in a small, short-term thing. But when you look at long-term, uh, you're going to have, you know, the, the, the big guys, the, the blue-chip athletes still go to, you know, the, the big schools. And then they're going to leave because they're not getting the playing time. And now a MAC school, a Conference USA school that has equal op- has a real opportunity to make a splash, whereas – in, in the four team setup, in the current setup, they're essentially locked out. There's more opportunity. You're going to see guys move into some smaller schools and I'll give them not, not sustained success, but flashes and opportunities of success. You see it in, in basketball in, in a different way where small schools can make a Cinderella run. You may be able to see you know, a smaller school maybe get to the second or third or third round of the playoffs once well, every that's getting so down long. the road. I mean, that's getting down but, the road. But everything that's I, being but done, I don't think that, done on a long term. I think basis. Jeff, but I think Jeff brings up a good point here. UCF, Tulane, Cincinnati would be a better draw in the Sugar Bowl. Let's toot our own horn here, Drew. Cotton yeah, Bowl Tennessee. most likely to be fair, not Sugar Bowl. Uh, my bad. I, it's going to be the Cotton Bowl. I'm old. Yeah. I'm old. No, I screwed up. So, but the Cotton Bowl. Who do we have, Drew? In the Cotton Bowl right now, uh, well, that just came out by the way on blackandgoldbannery.com. Check it out right now. now. I'd like to preface all projections. All yes. projections came out before the CFP came out. Fair, but right. who do we have? In Last the week Bowl? we had UCF in the Cotton Bowl. This week you and I both have Cincinnati. Who's the opponent the do we have? Huh? Who do we have as the opponent though? That's what I'm fo- focusing. Oh, on. Oh, Tennessee. Who's the coach? Uh, mm. Oh, Jacket McShacket. Who wouldn't that be fun if you had a you think <laughs> about this scenario? You could have, if UCF were to win out, play in the Cotton Bowl, potentially against Tennessee. And Josh Heupel with his starting quarterback for the bowl game with the last name of Milton. Folks, that's what we call money and tv yeah, as we call well to, to be to be fair no mackenzie milton did not find any extra eligibility no. at the university of tennessee <laughs> we're talking about the backup quarterback for tennessee he'll be playing because hendon hooker unfortunately um tore up his acl his last his last game which is really but, really Jeff, a bummer because hooker's having a great year but anyway, yeah, let, ahead, let's Jeff. talk let's talk real quick about why we both picked tennessee and i and i'll i'll go first on this so yeah, go for it yeah Obviously, we're expecting Georgia to be in in the CFP. I think that's that's a right. pretty safe assumption. And the assumption is they're going to win the SEC championship over LSU. So the way it's set up through the contract bowls, the Sugar Bowl takes the SEC champion or the runner-up or the next one in the pecking order if the champion's in the CFP. So, so of course, they're going to take a team in Louisiana. They're going to take LSU. Well, that they're at that point, they're the runner-up. They're going to take LSU. Yeah. Then you go to the Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl can take an SEC team, a Big Ten team, or Notre Dame. They're not going to take a Big Ten team uh, because the, the likely winner of Ohio State-Michigan in the CFP, the loser, the Rose Bowl. So there's really no one to pick from other than Penn State. They're not going to take Penn State because they're going to take Alabama. Uh, with Tennessee right. losing their starting quarterback, the star power is down. Alabama becomes the sexy pick for the Orange Bowl. Then the Cotton Bowl gets to pick the leftovers. And you know what? There's always the possibility that they they may skip on Tennessee because of the loss of the quarterback. I don't. I ultimately think they'll still end up there, but they could bypass them. For who though? End up in the Citrus Bowl. 
Well, for, well, who would who would they pick then? Well, it depends on how everything else would play out, right? It could be a Penn State in that scenario. It could be the maybe USC if they're not in the playoff, right? That's something. Like and it that. could it could be USC um, wouldn't be in the Rose Bowl. Maybe in, in the Rose Bowl. It could be a Washington, which is a you know. Well, Tennessee no, what I'm saying is, what, I, what I'm saying about USC is if they were to lose in the Pac-12 to Oregon, because then Oregon would be in the Rose Bowl. USC would then drop to the. That, that's valid point. Oregon, True. Oregon has a chance. Penn State has a chance. Right, Washington right. has a chance. Those yeah, those are way. yeah. Um, now Washington's kind of the outside looking in at this point, but uh, there there's an opportunity for for all those teams with with Tennessee losing Hendon Hooker. Yeah, uh, you that basically opens the door a little bit for them, but I, I that could open the door. You're right, that could open yeah, the and door a you know, still, granted, Tennessee is a good brand to have in the Cotton Bowl if you're that. Well, I'm I'm be honest. I, I mean, Penn State's not a bad brand. I mean, none I of these schools are bad brands. I mean, right. you know, from a brand value standpoint, they all they all. I don't know of any bad brands there until you get to Washington. <laughs> uh, no, I right, yeah. I tell that to the Big Ten, who would really like Washington right and now. Some in our fan base want to play a once a Washington UCF home and home. I mean, I don't think like I don't that, think you yeah. start getting to. I don't say bad brand, but non-brand in the in the top twenty-five until you hit. Well, let's face it, Tulane. But well, Tulane, yeah, but but Tulane. Here's the thing about Tulane: if Tulane gets that spot, that all twenty. I mean, they're going to sell out their allotment. They're going to like that's like the biggest deal for them. Uh, so it's it's you still it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, the weakest brand in the top twenty, aside from Tulane, is TCU. You know, TCU is not a. Yeah. They're having an outstanding season, but from a brand sure, standpoint. Sure. Fair, but 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 they're also brand like some of we forgot. But they're number four and undefeated at eleven. Yeah, (laughs) you were talking about brands, so so it's either you know you look at. I I guess you can look at both, but you know, uh, right now we both have Tennessee as as you know our picks for the Cotton Bowl. I I think that can easily change with with Hooker being out. I want to see how they do against Vanderbilt. You know, they play away at Vanderbilt, who's riding high on a win over you know on a win. Over over Kentucky, uh, breaking the SEC uh, record. You know, basically they're now playing with house money. It doesn't matter what they do; they're playing with house money. And you know, uh, you know they they can they can play the role of spoiler. You know, they they can really ruin Tennessee season more than already has. Well, they're five and six, but they are coming off two straight wins: one at Kentucky and one at home versus Florida. Yeah, they, they um, right, we're, 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 we're spending way too much time on Tennessee Vanderbilt here. Well, 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 let's, well, yeah, let, let's go back. Could impact I, UCS bull opponent. Now that hence why we're talking about it. Right. But right, in order to, but in order for that to happen, we still have two games to play. Yeah. One, and well, one none of it, go, none of it, none of it happens. If UCF no shows this Saturday in Tampa against South Florida. Now, uh, I wanted to, now let's talk about the most important things, the games that we need to watch in the American. First up, Tulane Cincinnati. Winner of this game will host the American Championship. Both those teams are nine and two. They're tied in the conference standings. Since he is the home team, they are a two point favorite. What do we know about the quarterback situation there? I know you, uh, I think you, I remember you met uh, Bennett. Didn't Bennett get hurt in the temple game? Or Bennett he... got hurt in the temple game, but I have not seen anything on his status. I apologize. I actually haven't, haven't okay, really but fair enough. Uh, so Cincinnati, looked. But... Cincinnati two lanes, a big Friday game. And that's Friday night. So we'll, we'll have some information. But here's the question guys. Would you rather play in Cincinnati or in new Orleans? At Tulane. At Tulane. No and problem. I agree. 
at yeah. Tulane, uh, weather should be is, is more favorable, and you've already done it. And you're probably going to have 40, 45% of the fan base in the, in the stadium. It's right? a small That's, stadium. It's, it's, it's funny. 30,000. We, we lose a home game, but we might get it back if, if Tulane wins to a degree. All you got to do is get on a plane and get it go to New Orleans. I, I think Cincinnati, Nippert, I just going to Nippert, that is tough to ask. And yeah. asking to beat Luke Fickle twice. In the weather. Yeah, it, the weather. I'm looking at it in the, the weather. In Ohio. There's a reason why you don't you didn't stay. And we're talking about Ben Bryant, by the way, for Cincinnati, the quarterback. Uh, Luke Fickle said as of eight hours ago, according to Sports Illustrated, he is deal- still dealing with a foot ailment and he is a game time oh. decision against Tulane if he does not play Evan Prater no relation to Matt Prater would take over for Cincinnati that's a big wrinkle there um but yeah I would rather would you would you rather would you rather play at Tulane a second time or at Cincinnati with a backup quarterback that's a good question I'd still take Tulane Tulane Um, yeah you know what they you know what they bring uh you know what their strengths are the weaknesses are uh as we know new quarterback Cincinnati strengths and weaknesses are well, but yeah, Cincinnati's but, also been at a title game. That staff and some of those players that are back have been at a title game. Tulane hasn't. This is all brand new to Tulane. They're probably going to throw a parade before that championship game like they did last the last time they played. I, yeah, I, I, let's not sleep on Tulane too much. We I did only beat them think, by one score. Here's the other problem, and I'm being serious about this because I've been to New Orleans. That American Conference title game, if it's at Tulane, is going to go up against LSU Georgia at the same time. I guarantee you, oh, everybody in that state's watching LSU Georgia. I'm not. I'm being serious. UCF can probably get forty to fifty percent of their fans in that game if they can get over there. I think the fan, <laughs> this fan base has proven true. they can do it when they're 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 ready to go. I think they can do it. Well, ignore the fact it's it's very short notice. Well, let's. Better than Nipper, better than Nipper, where you're not going to get 40, 50. But let's, let's be real here. Let's not make the same mistake we made last week and count our well, chickens before they have we're, hatched. Well, we're playing an FCS team this weekend. So, that's well, famous. We hey, here's the thing about rivalry games. Whereas, well, let's, let's change gears. Let's, yeah, talk let's, about let's, the game let's talk up. about South Florida. Yes. Yeah, I thought because... you said we were going to talk about Cincinnati until next week. Oh, that other game. Wait, whatever. So, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about uh, South Florida this week. Now, and, and something to keep in mind rivalry games are weird things happen yep it doesn't matter what your record is going into the game you might as well be zero and zero uh things don't always play like remember 2013 ucf is you know riding high yep riding high they're on the cusp of getting you know a bcs bowl bit south florida not very good and ucf had to come back and win uh they were Mm -hmm. losing in the fourth quarter i mean Weird things happen in rivalry games. Look at look at last year. UCF was supposed to handle South no, Florida. Weren't. The game no, came were. down to no, they were. The yes, they play. were. UCF game was banged up. up. No, UCF was banged up going to that game. Nobody said that was going to be a blowout. No, yes, no, no, no. you did. No, I didn't. I said yeah, they were you did. Up. I said they were banged. No, up. you said Mikey you said team? the same thing. You said this this year. No, no, it's no. like. Oh, I, this is this no, is this will be a this will be a practice game. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah, you're, you did. Rob, listen back to the episode. Oh, I, would. I said they had a playmaker at quarterback by the name of Timmy McLean, and that UCF's banged up. That USF has a chance to make it interesting. They don't have Timmy McLean this time. They don't even have their starting quarterback. They don't even have their backup quarterback. Hey. They don't even have their head coach. They don't even have a defense coordinator. They don't even have fans. 
This so UCF, by you, the way, I by the way, last year UCF was a 17 point favorite well, over South Florida. That's what I was about to say. I pulled that up. There were a 17 point favorite. The over under was 62, and there was 30 points score in actuality. Yeah. By the way, yeah, this year, this year spread 19 and a half in favor of UCF over under 69. Well, here, here's what it's nice. The, the, here's the case why to take the, the concern. This team has proven to play to the level of its competition, and that's a problem. And I blame the players for this, not the coaches. I don't think this team has good leadership. That's leadership. And I think, to me, you just got a reprieve from this committee. If you can't get, like, ready to go and just take care of business this Saturday, that's on you, the players. That's not on the coaches. So, to me, it's about the players and the leadership. And they better show some this week because they didn't show it last week. That's a fact. Interesting little number from Odd Shark here. Both these teams are four and, or, or, excuse me. No, I have that wrong. UCF is eight and three, seven and four against the number. South Florida, one and 10, but four and seven against the number this year. USF's offense is sneaky, has actually been decent. Well, they, they put 42, they, they, yeah. lost, they put 42 on Tulsa at Tulsa last week and lost. Uh, they have put, uh, I mean, they, they've lost some shootouts this year. Yeah, um, uh, his they put offense. 21 on BYU, 28 on ECU, 24 on Cincinnati, and they lost by four points. 31 on Tulane, 27 on Houston, 28 on Temple. Boy, they got absolutely trounced by Temple. 23 on SMU. Uh, yeah, that was it. Um, you know, but but again, this is they, one of those things where, you know, they, they have not been. I, I I hesitate to say that they have not been in every game. They have been in every well, they've been competitive. Not, m- most of their games. The they've issue been they have is their defense is atrocious. Yeah, and, and they can't close. And they can't stop the run. So this yeah. should be no excuse for UCF not to run all over them. And then defensively, you got to just shut them down. I mean, again, if UCF comes with the right mindset, I think they will. I think after that loss, I I was there – there was a shock value. I think they were some players that took that game for granted. Samuel, Sam Jackson even said that. They mm-hmm. did not think that would be their last home game. I think they were shell-shocked. And I think their tone was, man, this our season could be over. Now they've been reprieved. I expect a motivated UCF team, and I think they will destroy South Florida uh, if they show up with the right mindset. On the other hand, if they might just play to the level of competition, and maybe we're having, we have a game in the fourth quarter. We'll find we- Drew, there are 131 teams in Division I FBS. South Florida is dead last in total defense. Third to last, 131 is the number. 128th in rushing defense, 128th in passing yards allowed, 130th in pass efficiency defense, 130th in scoring defense, and 130th (laughs) in first down defense. Uh, That's pretty bad. It's it's not good. It's It's not great. It's not good. Not great, Bob. Right. <laughs> this is a de- this is a defense you can get healthy from the struggles that you had offensively last week. This is a defense you should get healthy on. Drew, what do you want to see done here? Well, I mean, you need to go back to your bread and butter. Um, you need to you need to go back to what your team is about. Use this as an opportunity to reset your your offensive mind. Your because you know they went away from what makes this team good against navy and they struggled as a result mm. so you're running team first focus on that make sure that's covered and then start you know you use it to open the pass but you know what you're in a situation where you if you can build up a lead you know 17 point plus lead uh you can then rely on the run 
and just wear them down and maybe sprinkle in some passes here and there, but you don't have to, you know, rely on it. As we, you know, coach Melzahn said that, you know, there was some shoulder soreness, you know, whatever, uh, you know what? John Rice Plumley, Yeah. Is he, uh, w- one of the things that they did mention was that he was suffering from some shoulder soreness. Uh, an opportunity week. to not have to tax him. You know, it's different when you're playing from behind, obviously you, you go to the pass more get a takeaway, get a stop, something, use an opportunity, get a lead, build Mm -hmm. it up, 17 points, three-score lead, and then just utilize the run. You've got a stable of running backs that you can can rotate out and maintain freshness without putting much strain on your quarterback. And as we know, we're trying to maintain Mikey Keene's redshirt. He's got one game left in his his redshirt arsenal, so, you know, put a low stress situation on John Rice Plumley, allow him not to get overly dinged up, um, but not use Mikey Keene in, in case of emergency mm. and, and ride the running game. You know, that's what, that's what UCF won on in most, in most of these other games is the fact that they have such a strong running game that, you know, they over defenses overcommit to it. And they get able to shoot over the top yards after catches UCF's receiving specialty because they're, they're on one-on-one coverage all the time. Right. That's because they're bringing in the linebackers because they respect the run. So you know what? Make them respect the run again. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the, this is the country's seventh best rushing offense against one of the worst rushing defenses in the country. I think that's, you know, it, let's not get cute here. That's that's kind of my thought on it. Um, pound the rock, pound the rock, and let's get out of here with a dub. And then, you know, let and and be content. I would say have on Saturday, having watched, you know, Cincinnati and Tulane beat the tar out of each other, probably for sixty minutes plus up in uh, up in uh, up in Nippert, and then start game planning again to seeing what you're to see what you're going to do. Um, in that game going forward. And I think it's actually pretty, it, it would say, I, I tell you, I, I, I still think <laughs> I was looking at some of the reaction and as we wrap up the segment, you know, talking about, you know, what we saw in the polls, I still, I did see some fan reaction to the polls saying, man, I can't believe we're ranked that high. Like I actually saw someone say we didn't deserve to be ranked that high. And I'm like, man, we've made it. If our fans are complaining about us being ranked too high. <laughs> Well, I I think it's more of we, you know, we had, you know, we felt so let down from what happened last week uh, in that situation that we really didn't expect. Like, I didn't expect us to be ranked in the top, maybe squeezing at 25, but, you know, that was kind of hopeful. But 22, I'm I'm still like, yeah, I think 22 is still a stretch. I wouldn't have said 22. You know, if you're going to rank rank (laughs) me still. You know, it actually didn't matter where we were ranked. All that mattered was that we were ranked. Exactly. That that's the all purpose of the tiebreaker. Yeah. Um, but as, as we know, it's it's a game changer. It, it, it it's a complete game changer as far as this tiebreaker system goes. Because everyone's like, oh well, what about the computer rankings? You know what? The computer rankings don't matter anymore because Hallelujah. now we have a different. Hallelujah. You don't have to worry about it. different provision. It's on blackandgoldbanneret.com. We talk about it. Uh, but the, the truth is it's, it's now winning in. Uh, Eric, the way Eric is happy. Eric is happy because 
he likes humans for some reason. Uh, Tulane, Cincinnati. By the way, I saw, they're at they're at they're on at noon on Correct. Black Friday. Roy, Roy Phil, our boys, Roy Philpot and Andre Ware, who have had just just like instant classic after instant classic this year, and who knows, maybe they'll get another one. Uh, Saturday, Eric. Uh, what do we got? We're on um, seven o'clock on ESPN. ESPN two. two. Yeah, we Taylor. Zarzauer and forgive me if I'm pronouncing their name wrong, uh, and Matt Stinchcomb. That's right, with Alyssa Lang on the sideline there, former Jacksonville native Alyssa Lang. Don't yeah, well for herself. Across, by the way, from <laughs> LSU, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, USC, <laughs> Tulsa, and Houston. I don't uh, actually, good numbers. Yeah, I don't expect good numbers there. Yeah. Well, Kansas, Tulsa, Houston, Kansas State. Got the U. Yeah, they got the ESPN U treatment. Right. Um, Washington, Washington's well, that's later on. That's the Apple Cup at 10 30. Clay Matvick is going to be on that one. Um, but well, I'll uh, tell you that that Notre Dame USC game that's a big game that got big. That, that got, got big all real of a sudden, big didn't it? because USC's on is you know, is sneaking around, they're hanging around. Um, pulled that. Well, did you see? Did you see, the, did you see the clip from uh, Feinbaum? I today? heard it. Okay. Um, well, he said, uh, he said, you know, he, he thinks that if USC defeats Notre Dame, wins the Pac-12, they should be in the championship. They should be in the college football playoff because nobody is going to watch TCU. And I thought, oh, here we go. The new fight has begun. Well, now now the fight it. for the Big 12's respect has begun. I don't think it's a Big 12 respect. It's just nobody gives a crap about TCU. I mean, that's, you know, that's really what it's about. I mean, it's well, not work. But you know, Paul Feinbaum is is a blue blood guy. That's all you know. Right, he, right. that's all he, that's all he cares about. But it's entirely conceivable that TCU could go in there, win the Big Twelve, go into the conference, go into the CFP undefeated, and possibly Wait, at least on. get to the championship game. No. By the way, oh, breaking, breaking news. Yeah, Stuart Mandel just stole Drew's uh, thoughts on the college football about LSU and the Sugar Alabama and the Orange Tennessee. Apparently, Stuart listens to the show. Drew, he agrees with you. LSU Sugar Alabama Orange Tennessee Cotton. Congrats. I mean, it, it, it just, it writes itself and mm. makes so much sense. Cause you also, aside from the contracts, you know, where everyone is in the pecking you order. It. Yeah. You nailed Sugar it. gets first. Orange will get second. Cotton gets third. Just go down the road. I will say, I will say this to quote, uh, to quote Mike Tyson. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. So, yeah. you know, I'm just saying, I don't know what, it, but well, um, I don't know where I don't. Uh, he's getting confused at this point. I don't know where he's going, but you know what? UCF got punched in the face last week, and and you know what? They're they rolled with the punch, were able to stay standing, and now they've got another opportunity to to throw some haymakers on those poor guys at the University of West Mandel Central is, Florida. Stuart Mandel is stealing your material, Drew. Oh. <laughs> Well, I mean, he gets paid more than I do. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, like Dane Cook, and I'm like some got some schlup in like some local standup. Stuart Mandel. Nonetheless, your game plan for if you're a UCF fan, Thanksgiving. Anything worth watching on Thanksgiving? No, the Egg Bowl. Um, The uh, the National Football League. Yeah, Tulane, Cincinnati at noon on ABC on Black Friday. Uh, and then uh, UCF against South Florida, seven thirty on, or excuse me, seven o'clock on ESPN 
two. UCF once again, 19 and a half point favorites at the moment. Cincinnati favored by two over Tulane. That's that's going to be a good game up there in Nippert, man. And remember, and, remember, you can essentially say three points automatically go to the home team. So yeah. Cincinnati by two, they're really saying Tulane by one. Yeah. I, I just hope they beat the tar out of each other for 11 overtimes. Uh, and I hope Tulane that's, survives. That's, I'd rather play Tulane than go to Cincinnati. What? what hey, uh, you know what? I don't care who we play. We got a shot. That's all you want is a shot. And you know something? I'll take it. Then you got to be prepared for the moment. And so far, you know, we, you know, we've seen UCF get prepared, be prepared for moments and not prepared for moments this year. Right. No, this is a Saturday. That's it. Like you've got yep. no wiggle room. Just take care of business yeah. if you're supposed to. And you're, you're, you're in. All right. It's going to be a test for, for Gus Melzon and, yep. and as far as getting his team, getting, think, getting think, his players uh, yeah. on, on, the same page and and keeping their eyes on the prize. Yep. Uh, not understanding, you know what? The fact that USF has a terrible record uh, is not something to overlook because, as you know, any team can win any game on any given day. Yep. They've experienced it. Yeah. Right. The ECU loss would have told them that, but you know, let the Navy one sit even in like more of a sour taste in their mouth. Yeah. All right. So that's what we will be watching, and that's hopefully what you'll be watching. We'll be, I'm guessing, we'll be night shifting after that game too, Eric. Yeah, unless they lose, and then I'm just going to head for cover at that point because the program will be down in flames because the, the 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 reaction program won't be oh, down no, no, no. in you lose, flames. You lose Saturday, like to that. I remember. Oh, it'll be bad, but it won't. It'll be, be the cancel the program bad. Yeah. Some people might differ. I mean, it'll be ugly. Put it to that. Well, way. the only people who matter, it won't be. I'm just saying, right. you know, what are they going to do? Cancel the Big 12 invite? I don't think so. Uh, let's hope not. Like, we have, is we dry it, on right? that we one. Signed baby. We signed it. We yep. signed it. Yep. Oh, it's yeah, signed. We signed it. It's Woo! signed. Good thing it's signed. signed. It was faxed. Hallelujah. We have video of it and Thank everything. God. Hallelujah. So, the right. letter of intent has been signed. Yeah. Can't take it no back now. Right? No prenups. We, uh, when we get back, speaking of taking care of business, uh, Men's basketball, man, going out to the Bahamas and handling Oklahoma State and Santa Clara. Off we go with men's basketball. Surprising people also check in on UCF Women's Hoops. When we return, this is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We're back after this. We are back here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff, Eric, and Drew with you as we get ready on our Thanksgiving, pre-Thanksgiving show coming out a little early. Hope you're listening uh, while you're traveling uh, to wherever you may be traveling, please drive, fly, boat, whatever, safely. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, somebody was really happy to be back home for Thanksgiving weeks. UCF men's basketball, boys. What a weekend for the Knights, um, who are now 4-1 and one on the season, have won four in a row since the opening night. Double OT lost to UNC Asheville. Starting with Friday night, Eric Lopez, a 60-56 overtime victory over future Big 12 mate Oklahoma State. And then took care of Santa Clara on Sunday in the championship of the Bahamar Hoops Bahamas Championship played at the Baham the Bahamar Convention Center. By the way, that hotel is beautiful in Nassau. Did you see some of the things they had? I'm like, I, I was looking at I, I was checking out some of the th- stuff that they had going on. They have a, an, an amazing water park. I, I'm taking the kids there when I get the opportunity there because it's actually 
really nice. But you need to follow that suit. aside. You need, you need to follow suit what some of the other UCF employees do that work the, right. the other Bahamas tournament. There's a reason they get they assigned to that gig. Right. So, but all that aside, <laughs> huge weekend, huge weekend for UCF men's hoops. I don't think I, I'll be honest with you, and I don't think a lot of people thought they'd get out of uh, they'd get out of the Oklahoma State game uh as they did and it didn't look good early because they fell down 24 to 7 is that right eric well they were down um, 17 uh yeah they were point. down 17 yeah. points in that game but clawed back and clawed back and clawed back and then suddenly they force overtime uh in this game and again it was really defensive and it was it was down in the trenches and ugly and i think we learned what brand of basketball this team is that they, they really established, I think this weekend, I, I said this on social media, a defensive identity. They, their identity is defense and rebounding. And, and Taylor Hendricks said that after the championship game, which we'll get to in a second, but uh, he was named MVP of the tournament against Oklahoma state, 16 and 12, uh, six offensive boards. CJ Kelly had 18, four of 11 from three point range. And UCF held Oklahoma State to six for 25 from the field in the second half, seven for 32 in total after halftime. That is lockdown freaking defense, Eric Lopez. Yeah, uh, I think that's the identity of this team. That's what allowed them to stay in and come make the comeback against Oklahoma State, which is significant. I mean, that's a Big 12 opponent. That's who you're going to be playing next year. How do you measure up? And I think what we learn, if UCF's going to be competitive in the Big 12 next year, defense has to come with them when they go to the Big 12. And I think this is more of a Johnny Dawkins-type team. I don't think this team has played well defensively, at least to his to the level of a 2019 team the last couple of years. They have in this stretch. Uh, and part of it is because they have length, they have depth, especially in the front court, and allowed them to get stay in the game. And then you've got a star in Taylor Hendricks, who can get you buckets, who is a super talent, who is probably the best front court player they've had in over a decade. Um, and you've got guys chipping in from other areas. So it was a huge win to win that in overtime. And I think they carry that over to Santa Clara to win the championship with guys stepping in. C.J. Kelly from the three-point line was big in the Oak State win. Ty Freeman was big in the win against Santa Clara. All these pieces yeah. together there. And I think there's good chemistry here, a good bonding deal. I know that's what Coach Dawkins told us. That's one of the reasons why they're playing in the Bahamas, because of building that chemistry. You realize, and I wrote this on Black and Gold Banneret, it's the first tournament UCF's won in pre-conference, mm -hmm. not counting those, you know, back in the day, holiday tournaments they would host outside. First tournament they've won since 2004 when they won the tournament in Alaska. Yeah, so first they, neutral site tournament that they've yeah. won since that. So it's a big yeah. deal. It's a big deal. I know people, you know, I mean, you know, it's a pretty big deal, especially for this group from a confidence standpoint. I think this was a big weekend for them. Well, I think also against the competition, right? It's one thing if you if if you beat, you know, uh, Elon and Harvard, you know, but, you know, you, you beat a big 12 team, you beat Santa Clara. Santa Clara out, out in the big West, they usually compete pretty well West out West there Conference. with the – their West Coast Conference, yeah. Uh, excuse me, the West Coast Conference. So they're out there competing with the likes of Gonzaga. They're competing yeah, with Herb St. Sendek's Mary's. Their head coach. They're Herb Sendek is, yeah, who, who has who has been coaching for next to forever. Um, <laughs> these are two quality programs. 
and you get the wins, and you hold yeah. these teams down. I mean, Oklahoma State has a future pro in CSA inside. That's the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. So, yeah. yeah. Former but, Memphis think, Tiger, by the way, too. We've seen right. him before. Yeah, well, we see a lot of Memphis guys leave, too. But that's all other story. Um, uh, so, yeah, CSA was good. You beat Santa Clara. Confidence. Now you come home. You have Evansville on Wednesday. And then you got mm-hmm. a big one. You got a big one with Miami uh, on Sunday. So, you know, this team is still not fully healthy. C.J. Walker missed the game against Santa Clara. He got banged up in the Oak State game. Still don't have Darius Johnson. Uh, we don't know when we're getting him back. I think that's important because I think that'll improve the offense. Because I still think their offense, I still have concerns as it is right now. But again, there's an a, 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 a asterisk because there's no Darius Johnson. But yeah. this defense, I think you they're going to give them chances to win the uh, games this year. Drew, are, are you seeing this team? Is it what is the difference in your eyes from last year's team in terms of how they've been able to put this together and how well, they've been able to get to get off to this good start? There's two things. Uh, one is they they have a player that can create his own shot. Um, last year, you really didn't have one. You had guys who tried to do it, but they really didn't have it. Uh, Taylor Hendricks has the ability to create his own shot. Uh, and, and, and CJ Kelly is very opportunistic and, and, and to what Eric said, you know, Darius Johnson, who, who's you know, meant to be the field general here, isn't playing. So um, you have a bunch of guys who are transfers. Like, you know, we talked about uh, also like Horton is, you know, a transfer from Pitt. Yep. Um, Kelly's so, a transfer from UMass. Right, yeah. yeah. Kelly from UMass. I mean, you have Brandon Suggs from, from East Carolina. You have a lot of pieces that have been pulled from all sorts of different places. Uh, in the case of, of these guys, they're, they're veterans. So they, they've mm-hmm. been around and in some cases have been, transfers once before uh, i believe horton had had been to another school before Pitt. Uh, so you have some that have that understand the meaning of of coming together and yeah. by by having a different attitude coming in uh this is definitely not a knee team you know last year was a knee team where players were playing more for themselves than for others you're not seeing that this time you're actually seeing more assists, uh, more passing, you know, uh, Jalen Young uh, over over three and a half assists, CJ Kelly, almost two and a half, you know, Suggs, uh, almost one half and Horton a little under two. So they're moving the ball around. And, you know, that extra pass can be the difference between scoring and not scoring. Uh, the thing that, that this team has to be uh, at least not concerned about, but cognizant of, is their inconsistency in three-point shooting. Uh, they like to, to toss the ball up, and, but you know they're, they're not the most consistent shooters. Uh, they're actually better off inside the arc. I mean, you know, Taylor Hendricks uh, is, is very dangerous in the paint. I mean, he, he has over 50% on his field goals. I mean, you, you get him inside the paint, he's going to score. Mm-hmm. Uh, move that, you know, the inside-outside game uh, can, can generate – points plus you know he's not afraid of of taking a hit you know he'll he'll he can get to the free throw line uh you know cj kelly as well is 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 very dangerous uh at drawing fouls uh we haven't seen a player generate his you know the ability to draw contact uh since really uh bj taylor did uh who was the, the 
one of the best at drawing contact and and continuing. Yeah, uh, DJ was supposed to be that because he's just built like a tank, you know. Uh, but yeah. but again, like you said, he's hurt. We haven't seen him yet. Yeah, CJ CJ Kelly has been able to get to the line and shoot from the line well, ninety percent on the season. He's the top free throw shooter on the team, uh, yeah. as you know. In college, free throws can be very hit or miss, but I mean, he's he's consistent. He gets he gets to the line, and he scores at the line. Um, you know, you utilize that, and and that's a big thing that UCF hasn't had since Taylor. You know, since BJ Taylor, yeah. uh, I, I think that really changes the the uh, the capabilities of this team. Last year, you know, last year and even the year before, very incomplete teams um, had guys who who just. You know, you had you know one player in Brandon Mayhan who would show score twenty points and then score zero the next game. You had Darius Perry who is, uh, you know, played like Allen Iverson without the ability to score. Uh, you know, would just throw up a lot of buckets and unlike Allen, he would not actually hit most of them. Uh, not so, a good finisher. <laughs> yeah, um, terrible finisher. Um, so uh, kind of like Willie Mays Hayes, you know, except takes all the worst aspects. <laughs> well, I, I, as we look at what the schedule has coming up here, Eric, and I want to see, you know, you know, right now we're looking at, like you said, Evansville on Wednesday and uh, Evansville is no joke. They gave us a ride last year in their place. That's a good program. Uh, Miami on Sunday, who's looking for revenge against UCF considering UCF dropped 95 on them in Coral Gables last year. Um, and then also, you know, you get a week off and you get Samford, Tarleton State, actually, who'd they just knock off, Boston actually? College so, Austin, yeah, Boston College. And then you're at Ole Miss December 14th. So we're getting ready to hit a stretch, you know, where the competition is going to step up as we approach conference play. Like we said, we don't know when we're going to get Darius Johnson back, but what do you want to see in these next two games against Evansville and, Evansville and Miami at home, Eric? I think you just keep improving. You just want to keep improving. And I think this Evansville game, I'm going to be curious how they come out. It's the night before Thanksgiving. I'm not expecting a monster crowd, right? Like a lot of people are getting ready for that turkey. I know Drew is. Drew's getting ready for the turkey. Uh, mm, uh, <laughs> I, I, I love me some turkey. So I'm, I'm already brining the bird right now, man. So, well, let's hope the basketball players are not thinking about that. <laughs> That's my concern. Because, uh, you know, I mean, they could come out flat. And then, look, this year in college basketball, there's a ton of upsets that are going on in November. So, and I wouldn't even call this a Just more efficient in some areas. And then Miami, obviously, that's an ESPNU game. That would be a good point. Uh, Miami's pretty good. Miami might be the best team in the state at the rate we're going this year. Uh, so uh, hopefully you beat Evansville and then set yourself up for a Miami team that's receiving votes. And I think, I think we're going to have a good crowd for that Miami game, especially if football takes care of business the night before, because I think at that point, I think people will be kind of riding that momentum and you hope for the best there. I think that's what you want to see is more improvement offensively, be efficient and hopefully get CJ back healthy. I mean, he's played earlier in the year, missed the, uh, the Santa Clara game. Hopefully he's back either for Evans for Miami, because they'll definitely need them against Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I, yeah, I, I think they're being very, I think Johnny Dawkins is being very judicious with CJ. We've seen him in certain spots. You know, I, I know that at home um, we saw him in the game against Florida state. It was very 
careful with him. He did not play against Asheville. I, I forget how much he played in, in the Western Illinois. I think they didn't have to play they, much because they blew him out. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have to play. Um, State game. He played in Oklahoma State. Then they held him back for uh, San Diego. He, play, he played against uh, against Western Illinois and played only 17 minutes off the bench. But, um, you know, they held him out against Santa Clara. I, I do think that they the ideal situation here is, you know, now you want to continue to develop the chemistry between all the new guys. I, I'm really a huge fan of Jalen Young, by the way. I I, I really enjoy, I've enjoyed he's watching the him most, play. He's act, in a weird way, he's become the most important player because of the Darius Johnson injury. Yeah. He's the only true point guard they have right now that's healthy. Yeah, because when he's out, they put C.J. Kelly, at the, and more or less Kelly and Horton kind of split the point. Right, right. They're not natural so, points. They're just playing it out of uh, yeah. necessity. So he's actually become a very valuable player from that standpoint to run the offense. And again, if, when, if they can get Darius back now, all of a sudden, you know, you got, you could have young as your backup to Darius. Uh, you could play them both at the same time to play them both at the same time. And all of a sudden it just creates more depth in the backcourt, which they're missing right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're up for Evansville Wednesday, Miami Sunday on the other side of things, women's basketball is checking with them. They're three and Oh, they beat, Campbell in a very tight game last Tuesday uh, in uh, 62-60, but had, came back home, had a week off, came back home, Louisiana Monroe, out of the Sun Belt, beat wait, them wait, by wait, 24. Wait, they hosted Monroe? They're not in Louisiana? That's right. Somebody oh, tell somebody Drew, tell Kyle. Drew, did you, did you tell – you didn't tell Kyle that the game was here? He drove to Louisiana, Drew. You didn't <laughs> oh, tell God. Him? Oh, God. Please, right. give oh. us a better dad joke. All right. Something. Listen. Yeah, well, save the show. Thing. Okay. Hi, this Kyle. this Hope game very well much Louisiana. this game very much felt like a, a kind of a throwback to Coach Abe's era in a, a little bit because we were trail UCF was trailing 15-12 after one, and then outscored ULM by by twenty seven points in the final three quarters. Uh, you know, started four for thirteen from the field, but uh, turned it on in the second half. Uh, 19 for 33 from the field in the second. They were nine of 14 from the field in the fourth quarter. Uh, leading scorers for UCF 16 for Destiny Thomas, who has just picked up right where she left off seven of 11 from the field, four rebounds to go with it. 15 for Rachel Ranke on five of nine from the field, including three threes. Uh, 14 for Taylor Gibson off the bench coming in as a big. She's six of 12 from the field as well. And uh, you get nine rebounds from Layla Jewett, uh, uh, seven rebounds from Brianna, from uh, Brianna Hardy, who I think has really been fantastic. Really, enjoy- and I'm really enjoying Eric Lopez, Sierra Godbolt. All, she came off the bench, three of nine from the field, but she is the point guard of the future. Um, uh, three of nine from the field in 21 minutes off the bench, four assists, eight points, uh, and two of two from the line. I thought she was so key in that Campbell game. She brings a different kind of energy. She's infectious. Uh, and she was, again, you know, I think pretty uh, pretty key off the bench tonight too, Eric. Um, much the same way that Jalen Young so far has been key for UCF men's basketball, so has Sierra Godbolt. Yeah, I agree. Uh, now, I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch a ton of the game against Monroe because I watched a little bit of it, and then the college football playoff ranking came, and then we were ranked. And then we were all running around and like we all crazy went people. crazy, and, you know, I, 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 for sure. So I thought for a second 
uh, hey, oh, that's right, the women's game. So I was glad that they won the game. So I won't come, but I will say, I agree with you. I think this has more potential for firepower offensively. And the other thing I will say, you mentioned Destiny Thomas's line. If she stays healthy, I think she'll be an all-conference performer this year. I think she's oh, yeah. still... I think you've seen her improve big time. She's going to be more of an option offensively than she was previously, not because of, if nothing else, they just had so many bodies last year, bigs with Kaba and company that there just wasn't room for her. Now there is. And I think she's can play to an all-conference performer. And again, if they could build this chemistry, a little more shooting, I think they'll be a top half team in the league. Uh, and we'll see how this continues over the weekend here when they host uh, this tournament. I like New Desto, by the way. Did you see, I, I think it back to the Campbell game a little bit. Like, did you see how like, how like aggressive she was. She was a little bit more of a vocal leader out there. Like amazing what a year. This is a new right? new Desto, man. I'll tell you, she she's she's improved her skill set. Um, she's she really developed a smoothness around the hoop, but now she's even she's done that even more. She rebounds like crazy. Um, I love it. I love the fact. I love what she's been able to do. And you know, I think that the other players, all the new players, you know, the Maya Burnses, the Bree Hardys, the the Rachel Rankies, they look the Sierra Gobbles, they look to her as the glue. And I, I couldn't pick a better player to, you know, to kind of to, to put that together because she was always a team player in the coach a bear. And I think she continues to be that now she's, she was a part of, uh, you know, I think it's important to have a culture that travels and she's established that. I think that's, that's key. What a great leader. I'm a huge fan of Desto. So let's look at what women's basketball are. They did they receive votes, Eric? I didn't no, see no, they, no, they didn't receive any votes, but or they're not as kind as they are in the committee. Yeah, but this weekend, home tournament, Samford Saturday at two, Southeast Missouri State Sunday at two, and then Sam Houston next Thursday. So another couple, another couple games against some mid majors that UCF is going to have to sort out. You're coming in after the holiday, so maybe a little bit of a hangover, you know, as, as, as the turkey and stuffing settles in, right? We'll you know, see. I mean, we'll we've see. seen. I, I, you know, we're, we're, I think, I always think like after Thanksgiving is a really good test for teams because, you know, it, it, we, we, we take a little mini vacation and then we Especially come back and we play. Christmas time, yeah. It was like yeah. Christmas. Those are a couple tricky spots there. I just hope we get Kyle back from Louisiana after this miscommunication here, and he could be back covering those games. <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. Right. Sorry, just Kyle. For, for the record, Kyle is not in Louisiana because he thought the game was at Monroe. Are you sure? His, okay. His Yes, I'm sure about that. Okay. But anyway. Does he think, does he think the conference title game's in Tulane, and that's why? No. no, that's not either? Okay. No, but if he's if he's there, if he's there. He stay? I mean, I'm just Maybe saying. he could stay. Just say next week, know. man. We'll cover for you. It's New Orleans, you know. It's not that bad. So okay, well, we'll think about it. All right, that's the update on women's hoops. They are three and zero oh to start the season. Hoping they'll go five and zero oh at the UCF Thanksgiving Classic back to back Saturday, Sunday, two p.m. each day on ESPN Plus. Both those games. Eric, are you doing anything on the? This coming weekend, we got a busy weekend coming up here, man. Not women's hoops, no. The, or uh, men's hoops, no. The, the boys over there have it. Austin Lyon has it taken care of. Austin's got it, yeah. And Scotty for the Scotty, women. I think he's doing women on Sunday. Austin's yep. doing men's hoops Wednesday. And he's doing women's Saturday. Yep. All right. With B.J. Taylor, by the way. Yep. B.J.'s been doing both. By he's the doing way. both this year, yeah. You know, it's that, yeah. So, all right. We'll be back in a little bit when we return. Wrap up women's soccer as they finish up 
their their season comes to an end in the uh, NCAA tournament second round and penalty kicks again. Ugh. And then uh, also we look ahead to a huge, huge weekend for UCF volleyball. A lot at stake. Legacies on the line. Stick around. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We're back here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff and Eric with you here as we wrap up on this thanks pre-Thanksgiving show. Uh, lots to talk about with UCF volleyball here as we start. Well, actually, before we go into that, I want to talk about UCF women's soccer. They saw their season come to a heartbreaking conclusion uh, once again at the hands of, uh, of uh, you know, just like volleyball last year, they, their season comes to an end at the hands of UCLA in Los Angeles. Number one team in the, in the country, Eric, in the coaches poll. Uh, number one seed in the region. They took the lead. UCLA got a goal back. They go to PKs and UCF gets shut out in PKs, which is just a horrible way for the, the season to, to end. But uh, UCF uh, ends up 9-2-7 and seven on the year. Because remember, they, the first round game against NC State on Sunday, uh, that, that, was a, uh, that goes to PKs. That counts as a, that counts as a draw. The AAC semifinal that they played against Memphis prior to that counts as a draw, even though they lost to Memphis in PK six to five. Then they go to PKs against UCLA and lose in PKs three other. So technically, their last three, they're all three of their postseason games were ended That's the in ties. That's the uniqueness <laughs> of soccer. You don't actually have to lose to be eliminated from but, the postseason, right? But you, but again, you know, with PKs, you know how it is. You roll the dice, and they. And it came up snake eyes twice, once against Memphis and the other against UCLA, which is a bummer. Yeah, I mean, they played the number one team. And that UCLA could end up being the national champions. We'll see. Time will tell on that. Yep. But, I mean, they played Last well, time but... UCF, by the way, got this far in the tournament, they lost to the eventual national champions, Florida which is Florida State. Sweet, right. Sweet 16 and 2014. But, man, that was a great match to watch. I mean, UCLA got the lead early. Diana Martin with a goal in the first half. UCLA responded on a header. And it was back and forth. And I think what happened, and, you know, we, we had a chance to talk to Tiff, and you could watch that on our YouTube channel now, The Black and Gold Banner. We actually spoke to her at 2 in the morning, Eastern time, after the match. Props to Alex, the SID, for setting that up. That's a new record for a uh, late night, late night uh, post-game uh, Zoom there. But um, the fact this was their third straight PKs, I think, hurt UCF. Because now, as a player, you're thinking, well, do they know my tendencies? You know, because that, you know, UCLA's obviously seen all these PKs. So sometimes a player can get in their own head and overdo it. And I think we saw a little bit of that on the PKs where, you know, like, wow, what the heck was that about? I think they literally mentally kind of overthought it. And when you overthink it, you don't give it your best, literally your best kick. And I think, mm. you know, but, you know, it's cruel to me. Man, what I really agree. I, I tell you, Jeff, we've known Tiff for now a decade. I've never seen her so emotionally proud of a group than this she is about this group. She was emotional. She just she was hurting because obviously this was a great group, but proud of this group, this senior class, which had been through a lot, right? They hadn't made the tournament, yeah. won the conference to finish on a high note. A lot, of, a lot of pressure on that on them this year. Sure. A lot of pressure on them this year, and they did not crack one bit. No. Uh, and really set up the program great. I mean, you're literally PKs away from the round of 16. That's how tight this was. A yeah. heck of a year for them. Caroline Delisle, who is fantastic in the match, she'll be back 
Coach Tiff told us after the match, she will be back because she has an extra year of that COVID year. And mm-hmm. I think, Jeff, we, one thing we, we got to keep and uh, remember about, and I don't, it's kind of been downplayed. I think the fact that UCF's going to the Big 12 is helping them keep some of these players that have extra year of eligibility. So, you know what? I'm going to stick around. I want to play yeah. in the Big 12. Like, if I, I mean, I haven't asked Caroline that. Maybe, you know, so I'm sure she's happy here. But she could have easily said, you know what? I've done everything I could do here. Let me try something different. But I think the fact that UCF's going to the Big 12, there's something to be said for that. But that's huge because they're going to have her back next year going to the Big 12. Obviously, you got to replace some of the personnel, Kristen Scott. Yeah, Scott's, Scott's done. She, this was her yeah. fifth year. Yeah, and, Dario Raji, yeah. the midfielder of the year. You know, so you got to replace her. But they have some good young talent. Mia Sen, who I thought played well in that UCLA match, among others, uh, will play well. Kristen Scott's sister will play probably next year. She's on the roster. So they gotta, they'll be a little younger, but uh, a heck of a job by this group to win the conference, win an NCAA tournament match, uh, and quiet all those critics out there. You know who you are, Eric. You know exactly who you are. <laughs> yeah, you've been quiet. You've been quiet out there. A little quiet. So, man, I I, I felt for them uh, in that match, but they had nothing to be ashamed of. They played a great match against a great team yeah. in UCLA. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just – it, it's, it's heartbreaking. It tips on a commercial, by the way. Look, it, it aired during the World Cup. Look for it. Edition financial uh, commercial with Coach Sahedek during the World Cup. Is that Cup. right? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Man. You got a big-time coach here, Jeffrey. You got a big-time Big coach. Big-time. Well, I mean, she's going to be busy, you know, doing stuff with Team USA, too. I mean, we do know yes. that heading in. Um, yeah. I mean, it's now they head, to the, they head to the spring, figure out what they've got going into next year. But I, I do think that getting – you know, uh, assuming that remains true, I mean, Kristen Scott did post on Instagram that, you know, this is it for her yeah, uh, and did confirm true. that. Um, but the fact that uh, Caroline Delisle certainly may be coming back um, is a huge boost to this team because we thought that they would be, they did, they did have a lot of key seniors on this team and her coming back, I think is going to be a very helpful bridge into the big 12. And like we said, you know, you know, they're going into the big 12, Women's soccer is a thing in the Big Twelve. Men's soccer is not, which is a whole other, which is a whole <laughs> other can of worms. But, um, but yeah, it's it's going to be you know, now the transition starts, and uh, you know it's interesting seeing you know these teams that we've you know they are the first uh, that women's soccer is the first team sport uh, that is going to be moving that that has now concluded its run in the American. Cross country concluded their run in the American. We consider that, I guess you consider that more of an individual sport. Right. Soccer, the te- first team sport to go, that's going from the B- the American into the Big 12 because the men's soccer course is joining um, joining the Sun Belt. So, um, and bring it and going in on a positive, going in yeah. with a great year. And I think that's going to fit. They, 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 t- they took the number one team in the country to PKs in the NCAA tournament. Right. And if I they mean, win that, they shoot, we might be talking about them this weekend in the Elite Eight for all we know. Right. Who knows? But, I know. But they got momentum. You got the transfer portal. I think they're going to be they're going to take advantage of that a little bit next year. Uh, and it's just a lot of positive. Remember, I remember we did the preseason. One of the big questions this year is, can they get back to the tournament? Well, not only they did that, they win the conference title. Yep. They advance in the tournament. Advance, get a win. So they checked a lot of boxes. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what UCF women's soccer can do with the added resources. We talk about the other sports and the resources. You know, a lot of fans think about UCF women's soccer is this incredible job, and it is. Because, you know, 
but it doesn't have the resources of some of these other programs like Colby Hale, for example, a friend of ours who used to be mm-hmm. the associate former assistant here under Amanda Cromwell. Yeah, correct. He's now to his first elite eight with Arkansas. They just beat Memphis. They're playing FSU in the elite eight. And there's some people like, man, how would Kobe have done here? And I'm, and I told him he wouldn't have been as successful here as he is at Arkansas. Cause they have more resources at Arkansas. They just do facilities, money and everything. Women's soccer. That's the point. With Cromwell and Sahada has kind of spoiled people thinking this is just this one of the top and Michelle Akers, just obviously to some extent, when you have the greatest soccer player, arguably ever in the history of the sport play for your school, there's high expectations. So you get all that, but it's not like, I mean, they, they haven't, it's, it's not like they're having this incredible facilities around them. All right. Like I would argue if we did, and we'll do this probably in the summertime among the checklist is some upgrades to soccer's in the track stadium. I think we could all mm-hmm. agree on that. I'm just going to leave it as that. I th- I'm really excited what this program will do now that they'll actually be on an even playing field with some of the top programs in soccer. And it's going to take a minute too, before those checks start yeah. rolling in, you know, but I, mean, I, think, I think you got the, the right coach thing. in the meantime to do it. You, you've and a credit to Mahajer, Terry Mahajer, who extended her coaches is, is here for a while. I think she's the right coach going into the big 12 for these circumstances. Yeah. They're, they're used to playing these tough schedules. So I think it's a, I think it's a big positive for women's soccer uh, and really happy for everybody there. Really, that whole coaching staff. Because, I mean, Tifts took off doing the U.S. assistant thing. Tim Sahadak stepped in as the, quote, head coach when she was away. Just a great job by all parties. They really deserve the success they had this year. Yeah. Looking forward to next year, too. All right. Uh, that brings us to UC Up Volleyball, who, uh, Eric, you've already written it up on the site. And we're going to reiterate it here. This is the moment for UCF Volleyball right now um this is the final weekend of the regular season coming up they are home they have tulane and houston this team is 25 and 1 17 and 1 but that one was at houston in four back on october the 7th and it continues to kind of kind of be a thorn in their heel right now because yeah now obviously Take care of Tulane. But UCF has swept five straight matches. They swept ECU at ECU. They swept Temple at Temple. And now you play Tulane. Uh, Tulane right now, uh, they've been struggling. I thought they would be better this year, but they've been really struggling. Three of 15 in the league. Uh, RPI of 250. That's not going to help anybody at all. Um, (laughs) But you're going to, but, you know, obviously take care of business first. And then you face Houston. Houston is right now, 27 and 2, 18 and 0 in the conference. Their only losses were, believe it or not, in their opening match against Rice. They got swept and then they got beaten four by Texas. Since then, they have won 19 in a row. That's a school record. They are in Tampa for Wednesday against the Bulls at one. And then they're at UCF on Friday at five. So guess what? We have a big Black Friday. UCF event, except it's not football against South Florida. It's volleyball against Houston. And you, Eric Lopez, worked out the tiebreakers here. I did. Thank you to the league, the conference, who uh, sent it over to me. So let's let's first move if Wednesday here. If Houston wins against South Florida, they clinch at least a share of the regular season title. UCF must win at that scenario against Tulane to keep their hopes of a conference championship alive. All right? Simple as that. That's, that's the simple stuff. As far as Wednesday. Now, if Houston were to lose to South Florida 
and UCF were to beat Tulane, then Friday's a winner take all. Simple as that. Where it gets interesting is if, and it's, you know, let's be honest, if there's Vegas odds, this would be the favorite. Mm-hmm. Houston wins, UCF wins Wednesday. That sets up UCF Houston Black Friday. UCF Houston wins on Black Friday. They're the outright champions. If UCF wins, that's <laughs> that's where it gets. That's fun. where that's where it gets fun. This is where we have to start counting sets. Jeffrey, you're gonna be there. Counting, that might be your job. I will be there. I will be there. We'll have to start counting sets, and we could possibly have to start counting points, Eric. So here's the scenario: If UCF wins in three sets, straight sets over Houston. They win the tiebreaker. They get the automatic bid. They're the you know the conference champion. Yeah. If they win in if UCF wins in five sets, Houston wins the tiebreaker because remember Houston beat UCF in four sets. So right. the, the tiebreaker is who beats who in the you know the sets. So obviously if UCF yeah. only it's beats total Houston, total sets. sets right correct. So it's really fascinating. Now you're asking yourself, well, what if UCF beats Houston in four? Great question. Right. Oh, oh, well, <laughs> so you, you have to Houston when they beat UCF back in October in four sets, the combined t- margin of points in that match, when you added it up was four points. Yep. So UCF has to win by more than four points to win the tiebreaker. So, so that, yeah, they would have to win if they go to a fourth set and UCF wins in four. They would not only have to win in the fourth set, Eric, but they would have to win by at least four points. Yeah. And then the and this is all because, by the way, this is all because there's no postseason tournament, Todd Dagenet. I just want to to point that that out. And and we'll get to that, Jeffrey, (laughs) because there is some interesting scenarios as we'll discuss in a moment about that. But now the the interesting thing is if UCF beats Houston in four sets Mm -hmm. and the margin is four points. Now oh we got to go to more tiebreakers. So let's say UCF beats Houston in four, and the and the tap and and it's it's yeah it, yeah UCF it, it's UCF plus four when we add it all up. You know, I'm, golly. Anyway, carry on. Now now where are we going? Well, they would go to the next tiebreaker, which is a record against common opponent. One problem: both teams would have, would have beaten everybody, so that's a tie. So the next tiebreaker. Wow overall win-loss record against Division One. Obviously, your overall record. Well, UCF would mm-hmm. win that tiebreaker because they would only have the one loss, whereas Houston would have three losses for the season. So UCF would win the tiebreaker in that scenario. That it's, would be insane. It's not likely that it would get... And I find it interesting, Eric, that that seems more cut and dried than total point differential against that opponent, which yeah. seems to get... I, I like if I'm if I'm stacking the order of you know if I uh, if I'm stack or stack ranking the order of tiebreakers like I feel like that one would be like right above coin flip which one right the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, well, the, point, the total I, points against well, each other total point difference I'm not, I, I, I'm not gonna speak on behalf of Todd I'm uh, of Todd or David Rear the Houston head coach who I'm gonna speak to both of them this week my guess is what they would tell you because the coaches voted on this Mm-hmm. is they're trying to make this head-to-head decide it all instead you know what i mean and i think that's yeah. why the point differential is a part of it and to todd's credit he was the one that brought this attention to me at, uh, way back about this tiebreaker uh and it's because they want it to be decided on the court they don't want well, it to be decided by unique circumstances so they it, want it to be decided like the ohio valley conference football thing did you see that go ahead for the audience it, i did it go went ahead. okay the ohio valley conference had 
uh, a tie atop their uh, atop their conference, but the automatic bid to the NCAA FCS championship tournament had to be decided by it went to the tiebreaker. All the tiebreakers were tied. It went to a coin flip. That's a right. coin flip. And that's and as it turns out, birth, right? Yeah, that's not well, as it. As it turns out, I want to get this. I want to get this right here because it, no, it was really fair. wild. Because the team that lost the coin flip uh, is not going to. I don't think got in. Yeah, the Ohio Valley. So it went to. It was between Tennessee Martin and SEMO, Southeast Missouri oh, okay. State. Yeah. So uh, so, and I want to see. I want to see the FCS playoffs. I don't think volleyball coaches would be thrilled if it came down to a coin toss. I don't think Todd and David would be thrilled. Could you imagine? Hey guys, Hey guys, we're just gonna flip a coin. How would that? Would we broadcast it right on the court, right there? Who calls it? Like, I mean, come on, that's not. Oh, Simo did get in. I'm sorry. See, oh, see, uh, did uh, okay. See, wait, Simo got in. There you go. Tennessee Martin did not get in, so they lost a chance at a national championship because of a coin. Flip. Now, I will agree with you on this. Let's come up with a computer formula that's better than it's better than that. All right, can we get a computer to like rank them? And decide that, like, that's better than a coin flip. I'm not going to. My boy Sagarin ranks the FCS teams. Okay, there you go. No, I will side with you on this. I will will side with you. There's a case where computers with better than a human coin flip toss. Give me a break. Uh, But anyway, look, we're going to focus a lot about the conference title. But there's also other ramifications for the winner in Black Friday. Assuming both teams win, both Houston and UCF are in the mix to host. Uh, selection Sunday is Sunday night, uh, uh, seven thirty, and I wrote about this on Black Eagle Banneret. They are in them both. The winner of the Houston UCF match is in the mix to host. I'm not saying they would, depending on who you talk to in the sport. Some think that the winner of that match will host. Some think not. Who knows? But the be- the only way you can find out is by winning the match. I think the loser. I think both sides would agree. The loser of that match more than likely knows they're packing their bags. They're going on the road. The winner. We'll be watching Selection Sunday, wondering if they can host. And this year, the committee is seating 32 teams, not 16. I break that down on Bannerette. So it's not as predictable. It shouldn't be, Jeffrey, as far mm-hmm. as what UCF's, UCF's fate will be on Sunday, either from a hosting standpoint or even if they lose on Friday. It's not like, hey, they're going to Gainesville. It's a lock. I don't, it, it, it should be a little more unpredictable. It should be more parity. Uh, so that's going to be fascinating in that regard. But Houston, the winner of Houston UCF Black Friday might sneak in as a host because you look at the teams in the mix. Like, do you really believe two Big East teams are going to host in Marquette and Creighton? I don't. And if Marquette were to beat Creighton, I think Creighton at one and five against the top 25 might be out. Mm-hmm. That could open up a spot for somebody like UCF or Penn State. Baylor, if they were to lose a match, I mean, it's there's there's a lot of intrigue yeah. still in this. Well, puzzle. you mentioned. Well, here's here's another bit about that is sure. you you had you said in in your column that there are twelve locks. Yeah, and so that leaves seven teams in the hunt for four slots. One of them is Rice. Yeah. Okay. So there's a pretty good possibility that the committee might just say, "Ah, we'll just stick Houston with Rice and call it a day." So there's Which- one. Right, or yeah, and that's it's an interesting story because Texas is a lot to host. You got Baylor, mm-hmm. Rice, Houston, all in the mix to host. I agree with you. Not they're not going to pick four teams from the state of Texas to host, but how many do they pick? And you're right from a seeding standpoint. Rice and Houston paired up makes sense. 
Baylor and Houston makes sense. Rice and yeah. Bay- it all makes sense. I agree with you on that. Uh, I think, believe it or not, I think the wild card in here is the one team that you have kind of at the bottom, which is Penn State. I agree. Uh, at 22 and 7, because we know that they they sell out that gym all the time. Yeah. Uh, Big 10 is the second best conference uh, in the country behind the Big 12, interestingly enough. Um, you know, and, and pretty much everyone, they, they seem to be the one, aside, aside from possibly Baylor, the one, and possibly Creighton too, the one like brand volleyball program that you're looking at. The here. brand. Um, I mean, they're a huge yeah. brand, to your point. And they play Purdue. If they beat Purdue, that's a, you know, now it'll be interesting if that, you know, because Purdue's kind of in 25 range in the RPI. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. It would not surprise me if Penn State won against Purdue that they would slip in. That would get them to 500 in the RPI top 25, too. Correct. At least. And they would probably be a top 16 at somebody's expense, whether that be Creighton, could be Rice, could be Baylor. You're right. They would probably be Baylor. I have I, 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 I I the suspicion that it would probably be Baylor. I, I just think that... I think I think it's going to boil down to whoever comes out on top of Marquette and Creighton, Big East tournament. Whoever Big, Big East, East tournament, tournament, whichever you know, if Houston and they're going to pick one of the two Houston schools, if if Rice gets you know finishes off Conference USA, it's going to be them. Well, no, it, if Houston finishes off the American, I think it'll be them too. Well, the thing about Rice is they're in the clubhouse because they already played the uh, CUSA. Oh yeah, that's right because they played the CUSA tournament. tournament and, and you brought this up. You brought this up last week, and you brought this up this week. Having a conference tournament versus not having it, the pros and cons. Rice benefited big time from the yeah, conference tournament because they got one more opportunity at beating against Western Kentucky, and they beat them. And that's why Rice jumped up in the RPI. So the mm-hmm. having the conference tournament helped Rice. Uh, we'll see, I think the Big East tournament might hurt the loser of Marquette and Creighton. The yeah. question is, does UCF and Houston not having an American conference tournament help or hurt them we may not know that until selection sunday i think that's something to monitor does rice benefit and get a seat host spot because they want a conference tournament does the Big East get hurt or helped by the Big East tournament does ucf or houston get helped or hurt by not having a conference tournament i think jeff that's something to watch on selection sunday there i think that's a very well, interesting point there well let's let's up. not forget let's not forget that by virtue of the two of them playing each other ucf and houston i mean um that's a top 20 RPI matchup for both of them, which could potentially, which, which to what extent it'll potentially boost the two of them in that RPI. I'm not hundred percent sure, but there's a possibility that it might. Um, I think that the committee might look at, you mentioned Rice having already won the conference USA championship. I think if Houston wins the American, they're going to, they're going to slide Rice into Houston. And so then the question then becomes, well, now you have two spots. Do you go with Baylor? Right. Um, do, you know, if UCF defeats Houston and and is able to pull off all the fifty-eight tiebreakers, um, you know, do you go to or do you go with Orlando? You have two. You you would essentially have two Florida sites. First time that's that would that would ever happen, by the way. Right, and, and then I think the other interesting question to be to me would be if UCF does not win the tiebreaker with Houston and Houston does get the auto bid out of the American, does UCF get shipped to Gainesville yet again, or do they get shipped somewhere else? Like last year when they were sent out to UCLA. So let's go through those scenarios. Could they go to Florida? Yes, but I think it's a lower percentage than in the past. Whereas the past we would say, yeah, that's a done deal. 
Yeah. Where does Florida get hosted seed-wise will play a role in that. Do you believe Florida is a top 10 seed? Is a Florida 11 seed, 12 seed? I, you know, and then we're, we're going to know, we're going to, the beauty this year, Jeff, is we will know how UCF is seeded based on where they go. Mm-hmm. So they could go to Florida. They could go to Baylor, let's say, if they host. They could go to one of those Big East schools, Marquette or Creighton, mm-hmm. or they could go to Penn State. I think that's what you're looking at is the track for UCF if they go on the road. If UCF hosts, they will not see Florida. Florida's a lot to host. Yeah. The negative is you might get Penn State to come to your house if Penn State's not right. hosting. Penn or, State won, won at, at the venue last year. Right. Of course, it was Russ Rose's last year. Yeah. Um, not quite the same program, obviously, but you're still still dealing with Penn State. Still, you Penn might State. get Penn State. You might get one of the Big East schools to come here. How about this first storyline? USC might come here. Oh, that would be something. Wouldn't that be something? Todd Dagenet came from USC. This is for Mick Haley. Yeah. So and let's not forget Sam- UCF beat USC the last time they played. That was several years ago, and it was down in Fort Myers, but they did yes. beat USC. Also, one more point. The 400-mile radius still applies to the three and the four seeds. So let's mm-hmm. say UCF host. They might get a Penn State or a USC or Georgia Tech as a two because they'll be seeded. But then the threes and the fours, you better believe it'll probably be a Florida team. Miami or FSU likely comes here with the other one going to Florida. Mm-hmm. And then FAMU is going to Florida. And guess who's coming back here as a four? Florida Gulf Coast, isn't it? Yep. They won the A-Sun. So that's in play if UCF hosts. And I think mm. for them to host, and I think if they beat Houston, they have a shot. The thing that helps them, they've been a perennial NCAA tournament team too. I think that helps UCF. Whereas Houston, you realize this, Jeff, Houston hasn't made the NCAA tournament since 2000. Oh, man. This is like a big wow. deal for them. This is like yeah. a huge deal for them. So it's a lot of fun. I think Friday night could be arguably the biggest regular season match in UCF volleyball recent history, if not all time, considering what's at stake, the biggest match ever in the history of the American Athletic Conference. Certainly, certainly in the divi- in Division One issue, because remember we've hosted sure. some Division One, we, we've well. hosted yep. some some Correct. national championships back yep. in the day. What we won one. <laughs> Correct. First top twenty five matchup ever held at the venue on Senior Night, where you're honoring arguably the greatest player in the history of the program, who might reach a milestone that match. Right in McKenna Melville. McKenna Melville right now, by the way, we, as we encroach upon MacWatch one more time, uh, she is right now five kills from sole possession of 10th all-time in Division I history in kills. She is 23 kills away from being the 10th NCAA Division I volleyball player ever with 2,500 kills. Uh, and as you mentioned in the piece, she's doing it in an era where it's much harder to get to 2,500 kills. Um, she's 13 away from 500 for the season. Her third 500 kill season. Last time UCF had a player with 500 kills or more in a season was Leire Sante Asante back in 2000. She's also, and I actually, Eric, I think this one is impressive in its own class. McKenna is three digs from becoming the fourth night to hit 1600. For her career and the reason why i say that's amazing is the other three players in front of her were all defensive specialists and mckenna's known obviously for her offense uh that, that's why i've said time and time again i think she's she is the best all-around two-way volleyball player i've ever seen because you know, 
And remember, she was, and, and of course, everyone knows the story right now. She was recruited as a libero. Well, and then she grew. Libero production. Yeah, and has and has given UCF libero. Yeah, has given UCF libero level production over her five years, sixteen hundred digs almost. To put that in perspective, my the analyst this week I'm working with Tanner Goker, former North Carolina ACC libero of the year. I asked yeah. her how many career digs you had. She said fifteen eighty seven. Yeah, and she was a legit libero. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, wow, uh, well, McKenna Melba, week, man, historic week. We got a lot going on. So, so, all right. So let's break this down real quick, Eric, as we, uh, where are we going to be and what are we going to be paying attention to? We got, uh, we, we got Wednesday night, we got volleyball against uh, Tulane, which is going to be Five huge. o'clock right before the men's hoops game. So if you're going to hoops, go to volleyball, swing by, then yep. head over to hoops it's right next door. It's right next door. <laughs> like you have Literally. no excuse. Uh, yeah, you know, and then uh, the Black Friday, five o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, of course, we all have the day off for Thursday, Black Friday, five o'clock for volleyball, 5 p.m., like we said. Yeah. Just watch England that. and U.S. and then head over to volleyball. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's that's right. England and uh, and the United States in soccer, and then head on over to volleyball. Saturday, women's basketball against Sanford, football at South Florida. That's at 2 p.m. for the women's hoops, seven for football, South Florida ESPN 2. Sunday busy day women's women's basketball versus Southeast Missouri State and men's basketball 5 p.m. Uh, against uh, against Miami so that's a, a double dip followed on... by doubleheader and ESPNU you got the basketball game will be on you at five o'clock yep. followed by the volleyball selection show at seven thirty you'll find out yeah. where UCF is going or hosting depending on what happens this week yep right after that so uh, so you know what people are going to do go right from the arena to burger you probably so i would, rec- I would recommend that's where i would hold it if i now there's no word on any of that but if they were to hold a watch party i would suggest burger use probably but uh yeah we'll keep know, an eye on it I, that's above our pay rate so we'll let them yeah decide all that. we'll keep an eye on that one. so wow what a busy weekend uh happy first of all as you finish up we want to wish every one of you a very very happy thanksgiving uh we are thankful for you listening to and paying attention and reading us as you always have been it's been uh it's been a it's been a wild year so far it's been an up you know i would say a real up and down year you know we lost two great supporters and great fans uh of not just ucf but of our uh our little project in uh uh lynn cheek and james reed this year and uh and we missed them terribly you know we paid we paid tribute to the both of them earlier but you know this this is our first holiday without them and we're and and just we're thinking about them and their families as well. Uh, and we wish you, of course, a very happy, healthy, and safe Thanksgiving. You Make sure you follow us. We are still on Twitter. It hasn't collapsed yet. UCF Banneret underscore SBN. I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric's at Eric Lopez. Elo, follow all the rest of us as well. Kyle Nash is at the SOTG. Uh, special thanks to Drew. He's at Stat Boy Drew. Thanks again to uh, Bryson. It's Bryson Turner. Uh, we got some, uh, some, of course, our incredible photography talent. Uh, Brenna Johnson just joined us as well. She was at the women's basketball game tonight. Brenna Johnson photography on Instagram. Uh, and, and also not to mention, uh, of course, Noah Goldberg, the Noah Goldberg on Twitter. Uh, he's also on Instagram and also Derek Gordon underscore DS Gordon on Twitter. Um, just tremendous. Thanks. Uh, I'm in awe of all the work that you guys have done for the site. And it's just been 
absolutely fantastic. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. We are on YouTube. Look for Black and Gold Banneret. We have all the latest content up there. Video content as well. Uh, and of course, our Instagram, Black and Gold Banneret, which I mentioned earlier, where we have a lot of our photos and also some post-game reaction uh, as well from, you know, not just football, basketball, you name it, it's up there. Uh, wow, what a week it has been. What a last couple hours it's been. What a weekend we have coming up. For Eric, for all of us here at Black and Gold Matter, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. Have a happy, healthy, and safe Thanksgiving. Go nights, charge on. I'll see you at the arena on Wednesday night. See you then.